Hi, it's David Poland, and this is the hot button number 68, Pick a Lane, TV and quote-unquote ratings. I had a chat with a politics numbers cruncher yesterday. A big part of the discussion was about what will happen in the midterms of the next presidential election. At the core of his arguments was his dismissal of the endless polling data flooding the world these days. His view is that they're polling for the wrong things. In response, I mentioned how frustrated I have been with the parade of polling-based analytics companies currently fighting for a solid position as the ongoing must-have source for details for all of the companies now delivering content in all of these ways. The first data-centric rabbit hole I went down when I started turning this thought into a newsletter was about how people are viewing television and how it is measured publicly. In the era of press release industry reporting, no one seems to have an actual handle on what success and failure looks like anymore. So let's start with the biggest monster of the last few months, Squid Game. Squid Game premiered on Netflix on September 17th, 2021, to very modest fanfare. If you look at Rotten Tomatoes, there was only one review that ran on the day of the release, none before. Fewer than 7,000 domestic Netflix households viewed the, show, viewed the show in full on its first weekend of availability. We don't know, and we won't know through this whole discussion, how many households sampled the show and stopped watching early. Not that first week, not ever. It's a really, it's a different discussion. So you're just going to have to suffer through that reality. Things did pick up quick for the show, however. The next seven days in America saw as many as 65,360 Netflix subscriptions view the show. But the real tsunami was overseas. The first three days, a partial week, internationally, would have more viewers than any week in the domestic run of the show. At least 7.5 million international subscriber households watched. But the first full week, no fewer than 50 million international subscriber households. The next week, over 65 million international subscriber households. That was actually the peak of the show. The second full week also saw the U.S. peak, which was 54.3 million hours of Squid Game. Though broken down into full views of the season, the entire season, that's only 111,959 views. But this is what was written about in the U.S. media the whole time. 3.3 billion minutes, minutes of Squid Game. Now, both measures are always obviously signs of success. But the idea of media coverage is to make these things more clear, not less clear. The hours versus minutes issue and the lack of clarity is one thing. But there's also a very misleading result in how things are reported in terms of domestic and international. If you're looking to understand how the future looks, both the apples and the oranges, this is incredibly important. When they're blurred into headline-grabbing stats, the details may be true, but the perspective is a lie. In the end, there was no week during this run in which Squid Game seems to have had been, been viewed in America and Canada by as many as 115,000 domestic Netflix subscriber households. And there were six weeks over that same period of time in which this seems that Squid Game was seen by no fewer than 10 million Netflix subscriber households in the rest of the world. A week. That's a tale of two worlds. No one can really call it anything less than a huge success. The numbers break out different in reality, but the series, according to Netflix numbers, has been watched an equivalent of 279 million times in full, the entire show from beginning to end. 456 minutes, I think. 400, 455 minutes, something like that. I have it written down, so you're getting good numbers. <laughs> Uh, and the company, so it's been seen 279 million times the entire nine episodes, and the company only has 214 million subscribers. This says about Netflix what many have said about Netflix. They have the size internationally to have a massive hit worldwide that doesn't have anything to do with the U.S., 
and could even be considered a bit disappointing domestically compared to how it did everywhere else. But is that the story you got from reading about it in the media? Probably not. Let's try another example. Last week, Showtime reported, I'm quoting this, Dexter New Blood has become the most watched series in Showtime's history, averaging more than 8 million viewers a week across its 10-episode run. So Showtime seems to have only about 227 million subscribers between cable and their OTT offering. So their claim is, based on the limited numbers we have, that 30% of their most mostly domestic total subscription base watched the entirety of Dexter Next Blood, New Blood. Excuse me. You could definitely look at these numbers and say that this this season of Dexter New Blood was as successful for Showtime domestically as Squid Game was for Netflix domestically. Yes, more people in the U.S. and Canada watch Squid Game than Dexter, but Netflix is also about 2.7 times bigger than Showtime is here. Yes, again, all the content delivery companies like Showtime want to be as big as Netflix, but they aren't. Every company operates in its own context. Eight million views of this series sounds kind of small these days with all these numbers floating around, but it isn't. It's a great success in certain contexts, but it isn't the kind of success that is what Wall Street is cuffing its pants over. Another example, HBO said, and quoting again, that the season two premiere of Euphoria starring Emmy Winnie Zendaya drew 2.4 million viewers across all platforms Sunday night, saying it's the strongest digital premiere performance of any HBO episode on HBO Max since the streaming services launched last May. Ooh, boy, they're celebrating that 2.4 million views. Squid Game is still being watched by more people than that every week. Oh, wait a minute. It's about HBO Max. More quoting, the second season debut scored more than nine times higher than the season one premiere in digital viewing, which came in June of 2019 via HBO Go and HBO Now. HBO did not provide a viewership number for Euphoria's linear broadcast last night. Wait a minute, isn't linear viewing a platform, like in all platforms? But in its season premiere, that number was, two years ago, was 577,000 viewers, which grew to about a million over the replay. So basically... This release is about how well it did on HBO now. HBO go, HBO. Now I've got me going saying it. <sighs> HBO. Max. <laughs> the big moment for HBO's last hit, Mayor of Easttown, was four million viewers over Memorial Day weekend. That for that finale. So on one hand, HBO Max wants us all to celebrate them hitting 73.8 million households worldwide. And they desperately want us to have that story. But the current idea of great success for that platform is getting 5% of their subscribers to watch any given show. According to analytics company Guesses, nothing has ever reached as much as 10% of the current HBO Max HBO audience. Not a series, not a show, not a movie thrown online on opening day. And then there's the weirdness of how big HBO's market has been. This was reported a few years ago. By 2017, HBO had 54 million domestic subscribers which included HBO, Cinemax, and digital customers versus what was then HBO Now, and 88 million international customers for a total of 142 million. I guess not, because now they're happy to be getting to 73.8 million. So somewhere, something changed about how they counted things. And it's not just that they dumped Cinemax from the count. Uh, a sneak peek at the premiere of 1883 drew almost 5 million viewers to the Paramount Network. This has not happened for HBO Max yet. So why is HBO Max still growing if no one is watching it in massive numbers? Because it's HBO. 
I'm not as bullish as some, but I don't see HBO Max as any kind of failure. It's about context. People keep their HBO, HBO Max subscriptions because there's enough content that the subscribers likely like enough to keep paying for. It is all the things that Netflix is. Is it? No. But still, they stay and they pay. If you were in the mood, if I were in the mood, I tie all this into the future prospects of theatrical and explain how that too is another idea of how money is made and it should be in a different context. But I am going to spare you that pain for today. The point is, the more we simplify our perceptions of success, arguing for one strategy fitting all, or our ideas of success being monochromatic, the more we are fooling ourselves and avoiding hard truths. I open these analytics pieces and I see seven different companies with seven different methodologies, seven different terminologies, and I wonder how any of it will ever make any real sense. And then, in terms of subscription-based streaming and pay TV, I'm comforted in realizing that it never really has to. There is one dual metric in the subscription business that matters. How many subscribers can you create and how many can you keep? It is that simple and it's that complicated. Until tomorrow.